This morning's reading is from Luke 15, verses 1 to 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man among you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance." Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner repents. The word of the Lord. All right. Okay. Good to go. Hello. (laughs) So I have a story about the power of God to redeem a drunk and a prodigal. And I've had a a title that I would put on it. It would be called the prodigal and the pregnant mother. And I was that drunk, and I was that prodigal. When I was young, and people said, what do you want to be, <clears throat> excuse me, when you grow up? I never said I wanted to be a drunk, live in a bad neighborhood, and um, not have a future, but that's what happened. Now, of course, the praying mother, you know, that's my mom, and she was born again later on in life, and her whole family became better for it, except for me and my father. We were the holdouts. My father, he never went to church, and if I went, I went in the front door and out the back, or I found a room to hide in with my friends to, until the service was over. So my, my story as a prodigal started like everybody else's, I guess. You know, I was about 15 when I started smoking weed, you know, marijuana, and drinking beer, hanging out with the wrong crowds. You know, one friend led to two wrong friends who led to the wrong crowd. You know, it's a steady slide. So, you know, my mother uh, found out about this, and she started praying for it. She was upset, of course, but she started to pray for me. Uh, you know, my senior year of high school, if I, if I went, I was stoned. Usually I would just skip and be going around with my friends. And my mom found out about that, too, and I, that hurt her deeply, but she kept praying. So uh, I'm sure that all parents are, are hopeless when they see their children going down this, this pathway. You know, you have to, uh, I mean, it didn't bother me. My mom talked to me about God and stuff like that, but I didn't care. You know, I knew it all because somehow I was so young, but I knew it all. 
So by the time I was in my 20s, I moved from beer to liquor to PCP, LSD, cocaine, whatever pills that I could find. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was a mess. Selfish, uncaring, hard-hearted. That's typical for somebody on the decline. But I couldn't see it. I was spiritually blind. Um, so when I was about 25, I met an older woman, which is a terrible blow from a mother. Uh, and I'm sure she wondered about her prayers. How come they're not being answered? You know, but she didn't stop there. She would live by faith, not by sight. So, you know, I mean, she started praying so much that at one point she was fasting 40 days for me. You know, that I know of, probably more than once. So moving out of my parents' house was, um, it was hard, hard for my parents, but it was easy for me. I wanted to be, you know, free. And, and that's how, I, that's what I thought was freedom was. So the woman I moved in with, uh, she was 14 years older than me. And she was experiencing all the wrong things. She had done prison time. She was an alcoholic. She had worked in the uh, oldest and seediest professions. So she was, she was the exact opposite of what my mom was praying for. But now she's didn't listen to her friends to pray for me, and she didn't stop praying. She was, you know, she had the spiritual insight not to look at a, a, somebody going on a decline, but she was looking at something different. She knew that her help was from heaven and that her heavenly Father would answer her, no matter how bad things looked. So when I first moved out... I would go to my parents' house, you know, once a week, maybe once a month. But my mom, Jesus is, Jesus out, and I would get up and leave because I mean, he's exactly what I needed. But I wanted to go home and to my prison cell and be free, free of that stuff. So to print the, the visits stopped. You know, they were a few miles away from me. They stopped because I didn't want to hear that stuff. I was like a self-centered uh, drinking, you know, the, the whole thing. And it, it got so bad that I was drinking over a fifth of night, a liter of liquor a night with me and my girlfriend. So it, and, you know, if I didn't have liquor, I had to get some NyQuil. I had to get some way so I could sleep because I couldn't sleep. I was a mess. I was a blackout every night for years. So the cell door cell door had been slammed shut. I guess Satan had his, uh, appeared that Satan had his plan, and, it, you know, I was destroyed. The oppression and anxiety were, were terrible. I was so muddled in my mind that I could barely function. You know, by the time I was 30, the only job that I could hold down was at a fast food uh, restaurant. And I'm not sure how much my mother knew, you know, how bad it was. She knew it was bad, but she didn't know it was that bad. But I'm sure she was embarrassed that her 30-year-old boy was working in a fast food restaurant. So here it comes. Here we are at the restaurant, and my dad called me, the same father who didn't want to go to church. He'd been born again, too, from my mom's influence and prayers. So he he called <laughs> He, he called me up and said, buddy, I don't want you to think I'm crazy. But God spoke to my heart. He said, it's time to come. Time is short. It's time to come back to Christ. It was like a lightning bolt out of the blue. 
And I, I don't know how, but I knew that was from God. So they're in the, in the back of the restaurant, the dirty floor restaurant. I got on my knees and asked him to save me. And he did. I got up. I was a different person. I was born again, born from above. You know, something from heaven came into me. I wasn't an alcoholic anymore. Two seconds later, I wasn't an alcoholic anymore. So, the you know, the uh, next day I went to church. That was a Saturday when my dad called me. The next day I went to church. And the Lord just, you know, more and more and more, I was conformed to Christ, you know, every day. More and more. All these habits, all these things um, fell off of me. So I moved back into my parents' house. Uh, and I spent uh, a year or so with them, and I was spiritually restored, spiritual health. It's been 31 years since uh, since that happened. It was a deep, deep experience with the Lord. And uh, now, you know, he's done this amazing work over the years. You know, I'm married to Lori, the prettiest girl in church <laughs> over there, love of my life. And that's a whole miracle in itself, if you guys don't know about that story. So my mother's prayers were powerful and effective, James 5.16. So here's the thing. If you're praying for prodigals, don't give up. Don't give up. The uh, temptation, and here's what I'm supposed to tell you guys. The, t- the temptation will be there to become discouraged and uh, think your prayers aren't working. And the tempter will make sure the temptation is there to think that way. It's hard to watch somebody going to seemingly going to bad to worse from an earthly standpoint. If you look at earthly, with earthly eyes and earthly things going on, we get discouraged about it. So set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Uh-oh, I lost my page. <laughs> Wait a minute. Bear with me. Okay, so you, so you set your mind on things above where Christ is seated, and you're seated with him. Colossians 3, 2. No, no, I'm sorry, Ephesians 2, 6. You'll find encouragement that way. Satan does not want you praying. So he's going to make sure that you're discouraged to keep you from praying. Uh, Jesus said Satan was a father of lies. So when these thoughts come into your mind that things are hopeless and they're not working, that's the enemy. The exact opposite is true because he's a liar. Your prayers are effective. Your prayers are working. You know, Jesus would never tell you that. Jesus would never say, it's too late. Don't pray anymore. It's hopeless. He would never say that. So remember this. We sow in sorrow, but we reap in joy. Psalm 126.5. So for the prodigals, like me, you're hopeless. You've, you wake up in the morning, you need a shot, you need to shoot something up, you need to smoke something, you need to drink something. Christ can give you a brand new life today, right now. Don't let it go another minute. And all you got to do is ask him. And he's the only one who can do that. Jesus is the only one who can give you a new spirit inside. He's the only one. And he'll do it. And what I said was, Jesus, please save me. That's all it was. And he knows a cry for help when he hears it. And he'll give you a brand new life. And all those addictions, all those habits will fall off of you. And it, and it continues for the rest of your life and to eternity. Because you're, you live to be uh, eternal life. And so for the uh, younger people, if I haven't offended anybody, I'm about to. <laughs> so here's the thing. 
Maybe you're starting this lifestyle, starting to uh, get a pool on you. You know, you're starting to read about it maybe a little bit. And Hollywood has a really good way of perverting this and glamorizing it. So you got to be careful because that's a temptation from the evil one. It's not blatant. It's real soft. It's real quiet because he, he's trying to pull you in until you can get the hook in you. So you got to be aware of what's going on. Don't be blind like I was. Be aware of when those thoughts come to your mind that it's from the evil one. Maybe you're already on the road. Maybe you're on the, already on the road to drinking and drugs, and it's exciting at first. The wide road to destruction is what Jesus called it, and it's exciting at first because that's the design of it, to suck you in. Nobody's going to jump into something that's scary at first, so it's the slow decline. It's like one of, like a conveyor belt or like one of the uh, walking, uh, moving walkways at the airport. You get on that, and it takes you to your destination, what it's designed to take you to. You can walk fast or run or stand still, but it's still going to take you to that destination under under its power. So the, the road that you're on is sucking you in, and uh, you're not going to realize it because things get darker and darker and darker, and because you're spiritually blind, you can't see it. And the thing is, maybe you're going to survive it, and maybe you won't, the road. We all know people who were uh, kids, ODs, and were killed in car accidents or were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And they were Christian kids, people who knew the Lord, but they were enticed away by this, by one little step at a time. So if that's you, if you're a kid, a young person like that, you need to bring it to the light. Satan wants to keep it hidden, to be quiet about it and not tell anybody about it so he can suck you away. He can separate you and get you on this road. So you need to talk to your parents. So I know that's probably not hard sometimes, but your mom and dad, the Lord has put them in your life for this to uh, protect you and to guide you, and you need to talk to them. And you're going to be amazed at what God says through them especially with people with spiritual insight, somebody with white hair on their head or something. You know, you gotta, you got to find somebody like that and not let Satan cover this up and keep it hidden. Paul says that we need that we don't want to be outwitted by Satan. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11. So, can I please leave you guys with this scripture? It, I think it sums up everything about the prodigals and praying. It says, now to him is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that has worked within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise to God, right? All right, how many of you have a son, a daughter, a sibling, a parent, a good friend? I don't know if they're addicted, but they're not where they would pick the Lord. Anybody have anybody like that in their life? How many years, buddy, was your mom praying from the time that you, 15 at least, maybe all prayed 15, I don't know. One of the things that I when I first heard that story years ago and Buddy told me, I mean, knowing him now, you just would never think. It's been a lot of years and a lot of maturity in Christ, but it was his dad. How long had your dad been saved before he called you, Buddy? 
Yeah. And so mom prayed for dad and buddy, dad and son. The dad's the one throughout the call. And I don't know, you know, his story that, but the mom, you know, what he contributes it is the mom just continuing to pray. But at that time, at that moment, when dad said it's time and, and, you know, he rejected over and over and over again, I want us to spend as we close. Would you right now, would you just bring, if you've got someone, and I know most all of us do, or you, I don't know where everybody is, but would you pray for your son, your daughter, your parent, your sibling, your good friend, and would you just commit yourself to being the person who would pray that one day, you know, you would find that person giving testimony somewhere of how God changed their life. Can we do that now as we close? You're welcome to say their name kind of out loud under your breath, just as a, just to say, I'm going to pray for them. Lord, I bring them to you. Lord, thank you for saving Buddy. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for Buddy's mom who never gave up praying. Give us perseverance to pray, to trust you. Thank you that you are the kind of God that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. May not make much sense to the world, but it sure makes a difference to that one. Lord, we want to see people come to you. We want to see our loved ones, our family members, our friends, their lives change from despair to hope. Help us to embrace your heart and to see it happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus changes lives. This is one life. Jesus, let's let's continue to pray and believe that Jesus will change lives. Would you stand with me, please, as we close in worship?